when you're in that situation, you have to take ownership. If you want change, you have to be the one to bring change. Right. So I took it upon myself to educate every person that said something that was racially um, condescending that I did not like. I thought they were trying to, you know, devalue who I was. And I would take that as educational opportunities and talk to them. You're listening to Stuck in the Middle podcast, a platform for entrepreneurs, innovators, and creatives of African descent. Hear stories, ideas, experiences, and advice on breaking barriers. This episode is brought to you by our online store. Visit sitmpodcast.com and shop Stuck in the Middle merch. We've also partnered with Perfect Office Solutions to bring you affordable, professional, and flexible private office spaces in seven locations in the DMV. Use promo code SITMPODCAST to get 10% off your monthly lease. If you're looking for office space, hit up Perfect Office Solutions. Tell them Stuck in the Middle sent you and save some money on some perfect office space. Got a special guest in the building. I am Reflex, one of your hosts. Hosting solo today, got my guy here in the building. Uh, she is a nationally recognized worldwide leader in the healthcare industry, a registered nurse, a diversity and inclusion consultant, educator, author, certified life and professional coach, philanthropist, and speaker. Please, please, please welcome Dr. Eunice B. Guan Messiala Stuck in Middle Podcast. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a that's a really impressive biography you got there. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Coming all the way from Delaware? Magnolia, Delaware. Magnolia, it? where is that? Magnolia is outside of Dover, Delaware, uh-huh. and that is on your way to Rehoboth Beach. For some of you who have visited the Delaware beaches, mm. it's right before the beach. So I want to break the ice and start like this. You know, growing up, your biggest dream in life was to become a teacher like your father, but that dream was cut short or halted, if I, if I may say, uh, when you flunked out of university at 21. Speak to that, like take us through that, that, that season in your life. Okay. Thank you for that great question and a great reminder to what my life's journey has had. I actually did grow up in the cornfields of Cameroon, West Africa, in Kumbu specifically. And growing up, I grew up a child of a teacher and I always wanted to be a teacher like daddy. And as you said, I, after high school, I went to the university with the hopes of graduating to become a teacher like him. But I refused to learn another language because I saw that as someone else's responsibility and I ended up failing out of college at the age of 21. So that was my first experience with failing to recognize my cultural values. And so I would end up, thank God for my parents for giving me a second chance, end up in Canada where I studied in Canada and successfully completed what I was doing. But yet I failed again in my cultural awareness and my cultural sensitivity. And I ended up very disheartened and lonely and left Canada. And coming to the United States, I thought I was going where I would see people that look like me. Mm. But arriving the Washington DC area, I quickly realized that I was not looking for people that looked like me. I was looking for a place to call home. Mm. And I would finally make that home in Delaware And soon after arriving in Delaware, I was met with yet another transformation. Met a young lady coming out of Walmart who asked me where I was going. And I said I was going somewhere to put an application for a job. And she said to me, please do not go to that institution. Mm. They're not going to hire you. And I said, why? 
She said, because you have a heavy accent and because you're black, you're a because woman, you're a woman. And I'm an immigrant. Yeah. So that did not sit right with me. And I thought, wow, I thought about what my father always taught us. If you want change in life, that change must begin with you. Mm. And if you truly are looking for change, put yourself in front of the mirror. Look at that person on the other side of the mirror and decide what you're going to do about that problem. So I decided not to go to that hospital on that day. I went home, revised my resume, made sure it was top notch so no one has an excuse to tell me they could not give me a job as though my color and my accent were predeterminants to a job opportunity. So I did just that and submitted the application. And it took about a month. And I started thinking, wow, this young lady might have been Being, She right. must have had a point, yeah. Exactly. And I said, wow. But just before I could really get into that mindset, I got a call. And I can tell you there was no signs of racial discrimination, no signs that my race and my accent was going to determine whether I was going to get the job or not. So, you know, that is powerful when we think about perceptions, preconceived notions. I ended up getting the job, worked for that institution for 15 years. How was the culture there? Was she right when you walked in the doors the first week, first month, year? You know what? I have to be honest. The culture, I can see her point of view. Because I had situations where somebody would say to you, what? Mm. Where are you from? I had this one particular lady. She would do that so much that I ended up pulling her by her uh, uniform, by her scrubs. And we went into the back room because I was tired of her rolling her eyes at me. Mm -hmm. I was tired of her saying, how did you get over here? Did you come by boat? Did you do this? Mm -hmm. As though coming from Africa, we don't have the airplanes or means of transportation to right, get right. here. But... There was some of what she was saying, I could see that. However, when you're in that situation, you have to take ownership. If you want change, you have to be the one to bring change. Right. So I took it upon myself to educate every person that said something that was racially um, condescending, that I did not like. I thought they were trying to you know, devalue who I was. And I would take that as educational opportunities and talk to them. Like the one lady I mentioned, we had a great conversation. She never realized that she was rolling her eyes at me. Mm -hmm. She never realized that what she was saying was culturally offensive. So I took that as my journey to educate them along the way. And we built good, built good relationships. You mentioned earlier growing up in Cameroon. You're from Cameroon, just, you know, yes. uh, from so, so, yes. first of six kids. Absolutely. Um, before I ask the next question, you mentioned, you know, refusing or to learn another person's language specifically was that french or yes french growing up i went to school in st augustine's college so mm -hmm. and Child. i was a sports prefect so french classes were held during the periods that i had to do training yeah and because i didn't like it to begin with i decided i was going to do my sports and not go to the french classes so arriving yaounde it was difficult for me to study in french and so i saw that as why do i have to learn someone else's language <laughs> right, correct. you know and i I paid the consequences. I failed out of, mm. the, out of the university. As the first of six kids, what, how much of a pressure being it from yourself or your siblings or your parents did that put on you to set an example? Quite a pressure. 
because daddy was a teacher and there were expectations. And you know, in our culture, as a teacher's child, or even the first of six, they're expecting you to succeed in life so you can help them with raising the rest of your siblings. Mm -hmm. So that does put pressure on you. So failing out of college really was traumatizing to me, to say the least, because I saw no hope at the end of the channel. It was very difficult, but like I said, they gave me another chance. Uh, you got a book out that we're gonna get into popularly known out here especially in in the delaware dmv area before somebody who was coming across dr eunice for the first time who would you say dr eunice is who who's dr eunice somebody who's otherwise unfamiliar with you not familiar dr eunice really you already said it i am a diversity and inclusion strategist mm -hmm. i am an educator i am an internationally certified life and professional coach a published author and a motivational speaker. I'm also the CEO and founder of Unity Solutions, which is a consulting company, and our mission is really to provide a fresh perspective on cultural awareness and diversity, giving tools to citizens that they can use to achieve success together. How do we do this? We do this by providing a platform where cultural perspectives are respected, mm -hmm. are appreciated, and celebrated. Yeah. Moving from, you know, you mentioned from Cameroon to Canada, um, you know, was it you looking yourself in the mirror and saying, I just flunked out of school, first of six kids, daddy, you know, setting a good example. Uh, let me move away. Or what was what was what was the driving force behind you saying, let me let me make a change? The driving force was this. You can only imagine when you have failed and you have no hope. Right. But thank God that I have the parents that believe in education. So my parents helped me find a way to go to Canada to study dental therapy. And while in Canada, I made it a promise that I will never fail at anything else again because the pressure of going through what I, go, I went through was not fun. Mm. So while in Canada, I was focused on my education and I successfully completed that. But I was lonely because I did not allow the Canadian, my Canadian brothers and sisters to embrace me and me embrace their values and beliefs. That's why I said I failed at yet another culturally related opportunity for me to really just embrace others mm -hmm. and be who we are. Because after all, we're human. The same blood runs through our system. Mm -hmm. We are different colors, different race, different ethnicities. But in the end, we are human. And we can embrace each other and live in more harmony. Canada to the United States, but first a transition from dentistry to nursing. A lot of changes, you know. What, speak, you know, like what led to that change, and you know, not only from you know moving yet to another country, but to another profession. profession. Absolutely, I do have to say upfront that changing to nursing was the best decision I ever made in my lifetime. Mm. I enjoyed the dentistry. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, how, how long did you practice it for? Three years. Mm -hmm. I practiced, I went to school for two years. It was a diploma program in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, Canada. Then I worked in Rankin Inlet in the Northwest Territories of Canada. Cold. But that's right. <laughs> that's the key fact today. The cold, I could not take it. Mm -hmm. Ten months in the Rankin Inlet, I got up one night and that was it. Mm. And I moved. So I got here to Maryland, and um, my boyfriend back then, who is now my husband, said, well, you're already working with people. Why don't you try nursing? And I said, you know, I never thought about nursing. It never crossed my mind to go into nursing. But what I need to do first is try the CNA and see if I really like it. So I went and did CNA training in Silver Spring. 
and successfully completed that. But my boyfriend was living in Delaware. That's how I ended up in Delaware. So I did the CNA, but when I got to Delaware, I just did not like working as a CNA for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. I felt I had more to offer and I had more that I could do for myself than just stay at one position. So I decided to enroll in nursing and that's how it all happened. You know, when you, when you tell your story, I hear a, a person who is, you know, not satisfied and, you know, willing to not, you know, conform and be comfortable and wanting to make change. And also just listening to you speak and, you know, reading, you know, and hearing what you've done in the past, I hear not being satisfied and you now have a PhD, multiple, you know, um, back, bachelor's or uh, doctorate degrees. At what point did you finally say, I'm satisfied? Is it the money or the you know, the degree, so, you know, uh, the job. Like, at what point did you finally say, I'm satisfied? Oh, are you even satisfied? <laughs> you know what? I don't think life will ever get satisfa satisfaction mm. at some point. What do I mean by that? Full satisfaction to where you're just happy and you just want to be and you don't want change. Life would be boring, right? Mm. So in terms of degrees, personally, some people would think that is the ultimate success. For me, it's a goal that I set for myself and I achieve it. Does that mean I end right there? No. What is the next thing to do? It's not about the money. It's about the impact that you create in your community, in your nation, in your society, or in the world. Because if we all worry about money, then no one can help each other. Then we cannot serve mankind. And Jim Rohn once said, service to many leads to greatness, right? So I use that as my motto because... Yes, I have the degrees, but what can I use under my platform with that degree to inspire others, to change lives in my community, or to make an impact? Mm -hmm. That's my ultimate goal. The degrees are just a satisfaction for me. It's something I wanted. Now I have it, but what do I do to serve others? Mm -hmm. in my community uh speaking of community you know reside right now in delaware you've traveled mary maryland right now where we're doing this podcast um how do you see that diversity you know and i'm going to make a, a brief comparison here mm -hmm. in, as far as like in the west united states and in cameroon wow <laughs> that's a huge a big a big big, <laughs> yeah. big huge difference and you know in serving the community you know like are you thinking about back home or you know wanting to make a change here well I have been gone from home for quite a good number of years. Mm -hmm. And realistically saying that I will make a difference back home at this point, it's probably not realistic. I don't think it's a realistic goal. Can I contribute to a progress back home? Absolutely so. By how? I can work with other organizations to bring an impact back in Cameroon. Mm -hmm. And I do belong to some, of, some organizations that do work back home. But now my main thing is making a difference in my immediate community, which is Delaware, where I live. Mm -hmm. And what I have done is been able to create a platform through the many programs that we have under Dr. Eunice Consulting. Mm -hmm. Number one, our biggest our program is our Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Conference that we host every September in Dover, Delaware. And the goal for this conference is just to give a platform for people to come together unite and embrace those differences at unity solutions we believe that your identity is a hidden treasure so if we can provide a platform for us to come together and understand that the way you do things are different from the way i do things and when we put that together it's more meaningful it helps us to be more creative and we build better communities so that is what we do in this conference we actually bring together people from all walks of life, including education, 
healthcare, religion, corporate, and law enforcement. And we're not only talking about problems, mm -hmm. because I think we've talked about problems enough. We find solutions to those problems and we incorporate them in the various communities mm -hmm. and organizations to move forward instead of keep pulling us back. We're in the 21st century. There's still a lot of rhetoric about differences and who should be and who should not be. We are better people mm -hmm. when we speak the same language and we have the same beliefs and we can share those values and beliefs and grow together. For educational purposes, uh, what do we really mean when we say cultural awareness mm -hmm. for somebody who is just like, you know, I'm a, a clueless, clueless, oblivious? Yeah, yeah. You know, I have been very fortunate to have been in all those places. I've been a student, not only a student, but an immigrant student whom right. probably some of them didn't think I could survive the educational system. Right. I have also been an educator in a higher institute of learning for 13 years, experiencing what it is like to be a teacher with an accent, to seeing immigrant students struggle through the system, and now as a citizen who is also an entrepreneur or a mompreneur as I like to be called, mm -hmm, yeah. you know. <laughs> so having had the experience and the educational training to back all of this up, when I think of education, I see education as not a one size fit all. Research has proven that 45% of students in our public school systems come from disadvantaged backgrounds. Mm. Compared to the 80% of the educators teaching them and expect less from them. So my question often is, how can we raise up these children without giving them a sense of pride, without giving them what they need? The strategies begin to be, we have to look at what is culturally strategic for them. How can we reach these students? When I taught, I had a philosophy of a 50-50. I give 50, the student and family gives 50. Mm. How can we create those culturally inclusive and sensitive strategies to teach and educate those students and help them stay in school? Instead of saying, oh, a majority of these students from maybe the African-American community or the Haitian community or any other migrant group are not going to perform to our expectation in the classroom and start with the solution. How can we help them mm -hmm. get to where we want them to be instead of helping them fail and then get out of school? Mm. In your book, uh, Cultural Awareness, a strategy that can influence your journey to success, which is now available on platforms, uh, Amazon and other stuff, you detail five essential P's. Uh, briefly, you know, break that, break that down for us. Break the five P's. Your five P's, yeah. Absolutely. The five piece I say has been, you know, in the if you read the book, and the book can be found on Amazon or on mm -hmm. my website. And um, I do talk about the five P's because these are the five P principles or my philosophy that has really helped me in my journey. It's one of the contributing factors to where I am today. So these five P's are your first is your purpose. I strongly believe that you cannot just live life by living life. Mm. You have to have a sense of purpose and a sense of identity. Who are you? What were you born to be? Were you just born to come here, live life and exit without making an impact? So you have to understand your purpose. And what is that purpose? Understanding is just not understanding your purpose. Understanding is getting to work. When you discover your purpose, the next question you should ask yourself is, now what? Mm -hmm. Am I ready to do the work? And that is the work it, you need to do to get to where you're going. 
Then the next P is your patience. Mm -hmm. We live in a society that um, everything is now, 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 right. or never, right? right. Microwave so, generation. Exactly. Yeah. So you think about it, you're like, some people are going to get to where they're going much faster. Some people will crawl, some will fly, some will run, some will just sit. Whatever your situation is, know that whatever you need to do, just keep doing it. Do it, just put action and action and action, and you will succeed whatever you, wherever you're going. And the next one is your passion. What is your passion? What do you like to do? What is it that you can do, whether people are looking at you or not? Whether you're going through some challenges or not? That thing that you do and you just love doing, and you wake up in your sleep and just do it, just keep doing it, it's your passion. Then your perseverance and your persistence. Perseverance, I tell people it's for them. It's not for you. Mm -hmm. It's for the naysayers because they've already wrote you off. They think you cannot do it. You're mm -hmm. working so hard. If they had a chance to just pull you down, they will pull you down. If they had a chance to contaminate your mindset, they will do that. But you know what? Keep them at a distance. I'm not saying do not be friends with them. Be friends with them. But keep them at a distance and keep working at your game. So that when you become persistent by re-strategizing, setting those goals, whether it's your vision board or what have you, but you have goals that you're working at, keep working at them until you achieve your goals. When you do that, then the people now who did not think you could do it, they'll be like, wow, she has succeeded. And you would have been the winner because you did not give up based on what they thought of you, mm -hmm. on what how they were making you feel. It's incredible because you we see that, you know, culminated in the five P's culminated in your life as far as you embodying it and writing this book while going through your PhD program. First of all, how did you do it? And a follow-up question, what else can people find in this book? Cultural awareness. Awesome, awesome, great question. This book, you know, some people have a plan to write a book. I did not have a plan to write a book, I have to be honest. This book came about because I met some stumbling blocks during my doctoral studies. And what happened was at the point where I had to start doing my dissertation, I had to change my population for my research study because where I thought I was gonna do my research, the director of that program decided after I already had approval to collect data from that particular uh, institution, decided that mm -hmm. I would not use her students mm -hmm. because she felt they would not be honest or they will not answer the questions appropriately. So I had to now stop and look for another school. And that means going through the entire process of going through the IRB and getting approval to even use those students as participants in my study. Wow. So that took a whole year out of my studies to just struggling between trying to find where to do research and successfully got you know two schools which were historical black colleges and universities to allow me to do my research so that's how the book came about i thought well after all this frustration i need to share my story mm -hmm. to inspire someone right. or maybe somebody that will be going through something like what i went through and don't have the resources I will provide them tools and strategies in my book to help them go through that process, such as the five Ps, understanding how to really view uh, challenges and how to really think of your mindset, getting the right into the right mindset, mm -hmm. as simply as maybe sometimes when you're facing challenges, just retrieving 
to your place of prayer mm -hmm. or maybe just retrieving to that place where you will be you and you can shout and scream and just be yourself mm. so that is really the not the book in a nutshell besides my journey of failing early in life and all of that mm. let's talk you know Eunice Dr. Eunice Consulting LLC uh, what specific services you know you detailed it a little bit earlier what specific services does uh, Dr. Eunice LLC provide to our community awesome now, you just mentioned Dr. Unis Consulting. We are rebranding. When I introduced myself, I said Dr. Right. Unity Solutions. Right, exactly. So, you know, there's change happens on a daily basis, right? So we looked at, my team and I looked at the name Dr. Unis Consulting LLC, and it appeared that we were providing a whole lot more that was very inclusive than just Dr. Unis being the, the brain behind the company. So we decided to rebrand, and we're now being called uh, Unity Solutions, and the reason for that change is just a simple, so that we can look at looking at the services we provide as an inclusive body. Mm -hmm. So hence the name Unity Solutions. So the services we provide, I talked about a diversity and in equity and inclusion conference that happens every year in Dover, Delaware, September. Mm -hmm. This year it's happening September 12th in Dover, Delaware. Our other program is our Diversity and Inclusion Ball, which I'm super excited about. It's coming up May 20th of this year in Newcastle, Delaware. Mm. And the purpose of our Diversity and Inclusion Ball is to provide a forum for participants and members of our communities to come together and celebrate the differences in cultural beliefs and values through a platform of looking at variations in different cultures, looking at culture and diversity as an inclusive body, the significance of diversity as an inclusive agent and also an agent for positive change. So we do this through, you know, a celebration of art and entertainment, looking at the different cultures, looking at different cultural regalia, the arts, the craft, and it's just going to be a beautiful program, bringing people together to just celebrate the cultural richness and the cultural diversity. What does what does a day in the life of Dr. Eunice look like? <laughs> <laughs> a day in my life. Yeah, it's an, it's an is, interesting question. <laughs> you know, people say, you know, you multitasking and all of this, but you have to be organized. You really have to be organized. If you're not organized, you cannot achieve all of this. Mm -hmm. And you surround yourself with a good, good team of people who are like-minded, mm -hmm. people that want to support you, meet your mission, people that you're supporting in turn, and you guys all grow together. That is the value of it. It's simply just really being organized because there's 24 hours in a day, right? Mm -hmm. And we cannot change that. We cannot change time. But we can change how we set our priorities. We can change how we do business. We can change how we do life. Partitioning your day, breaking it up in chunks and pieces and achieving those things on a daily basis makes it easier for us to do. That's why we do the diversity, we do the ball. We're also soon doing, you know, at the ball, we're gonna be launching yet another exciting initiative, which is our Caregiver Support Foundation, which is gonna be helping uh, family caregivers provide temporary resources, advocating and promoting co uh, cause for them so that they can really get away, just rest, relax and refresh and go back and provide the quality care for their loved ones on a daily basis. You know, um, you, you are a caregiver, uh, both as a profession, you know, as being a nurse. And, you know, you do that both, as, you know, in, 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 the, in the world and back home, not only to your kids, but also to, you know, your, your family as far as far as concerned. And 
you know, personally speaking, you've had, you know, tremendous struggles in life. You know, our, our listeners, you know, we thrive from learning from other people's struggles. So speak, speak to us about, you know, a time when you had to overcome adversity, whether it's, you know, educational, personal, and how you got through it to where you are right now. Awesome. So as a professional caregiver, you are taught to do certain things. You take care of people at the time of most need. Right. But when you do that, and you have to also do that to a family member, I have come to learn through the process that is a lot different. There are things that culturally we're comfortable with and things we're not comfortable with. So being a professional caregiver is a piece of cake for me. Becoming a family caregiver, and I say, you know, jokingly that being a first of six children, that I was a born caregiver because I helped my parents with babysitting my five siblings. Mm. But becoming a caregiver to my special needs son and now to my own dad was not an easy transition as it was for me transitioning from, you know, dentistry into becoming a nurse. Right. It is totally day and light because of the cultural differences, things that you get to do to your dad that you would not normally do to them. It's mm. not expected in our culture for me to bathe my father. Right. But finding yourself in that situation was difficult for me. But first, when I had to transition from teaching, leaving my teaching career for 13 years to actually decide whether I was going to continue teaching finish my dissertation or leave and take care of my father 24 seven because he needed me. It was tough. It was not an easy decision, mm -hmm. but family comes first. So I made the choice to leave my job so I could provide care for my father on a 24 seven basis. So I can definitely say that that was my most difficult decision-making that I've had to make mm -hmm. despite every other challenge I've been through. That what, was difficult for me. What impresses you about this generation? Speaking of, you know, my generation, your students' generation. Mm -hmm. What impresses me is their technology skills, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. I can do it. They can just get on them. My daughter mm -hmm. will get on the phone and be swiping when I want right. her to teach me something. But what I have realized is, as an older generation, we need to embrace the millennials. We need to embrace the younger generation. They have things to bring to the table that the older generations and the baby boomers do not have. So if we are going to grow, even now, in our workplaces, we have about four or five generations working mm -hmm. together. So we cannot run away from it. We have to be inclusive. You know, one of my things is really training organizations how to create inclusive working environments so that we're making these employees satisfied and wanting to stay, making them feel valued. So if I have five generations at the job site, I have to include them in decision making. Mm -hmm. I have to include them in whatever the company is working toward because they bring value to the table. Right. And that is the power of inclusion. Right. Not just this person has more than this person. No, your values are just as valuable as somebody else's. So bringing it all together, we can tap from each other's experiences and cultural values and beliefs and grow stronger and better uh, communities. What's your, you know, this is probably what you just said, you, you're repeating yourself, but what's your advice to uh, this generation where, you know, just speaking from, from, what i know mm -hmm. and from what you from what you are and who you are as far as you know the accomplishments which is incredible things to achieve and strive for what would you say to this generation where certif certifications and trading as far as trade school is more 
um, desirable or attainable than, you know, going for the bachelor's and a master's and a doctorate and a PhD? That's an amazing question. I actually just talked about this with someone. In life, you got to know who you are and where you're going. Education is a certificate and it's a goal. I am an educator. I strongly believe in at least having something. Mm -hmm. But when I think about trade school, it is the norm right now. It right. is the buzzword. I take, for example, IT services. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are doing that and making six-figure incomes than someone that has a PhD. Mm -hmm. Well, what is it that you want? What makes you happy? So you got to set your priorities and your goals. So having an education, yes, you always want something to have backup. Right. What if that trade that you're doing is no longer giving you what you need to put food on the table for your family? What do you fall back to? Mm -hmm. So it's always good to have a plan A and a plan B. That would be my advice. If you have to do the trade program and get what you want in a shorter period of time, so be it. Mm -hmm. It is what your priority is. I used to own a trade school. I trained 250 nursing assistants, mm. but today 75% of them are nurses. Mm. So it brings me joy to see that they continue to grow because we learn something on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And just being complacent with what you have because you have that what you were looking for, I don't think brings interest in life i'm going to end with this question what's the one philosophy that you live by i live by doing what you love mm. and when you do it do it to the best of your ability it's easy enough yeah. do what you love do it to the best for your ability listen i i incredibly enjoy speaking with you dr Eunice, coming all the way from delaware to join us she has a book out it's called cultural awareness uh strategy that can influence your journey to success. Incredible, incredible life coach, uh, author, speaker, diversity and inclusion consultant. Appreciate you coming through and kicking it with us and speaking with us. Thank you. I've had a great discussion and I appreciate your platform. Thank you. Hey, listen, if you enjoy what you heard, what you've seen, hit that subscribe button on YouTube and the ringer so you get no notifications every time we drop something new. SITM Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all that good stuff. Stuck in Middle Podcast. I'm Reflex, your host, and we are out. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Let us know what you think and tell other people about us on social media using the hashtag SITM Podcast. If you want to find out more about Stuck in the Middle, visit our website, sitmpodcast.com, to browse our blog section. To tell us your story, send us an email at sitmpodcast at gmail.com. Till next time, be safe.